Hello, my name is Jody Lima, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the kids' books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts, such as writers, teachers, and librarians, about their own favorite children's books. I'm going to start today's podcast with the poem, The Ship. Uh, This is written by Ben H. Winters, and it's from his book of scary poems called Literally Disturbed. The book is illustrated by Adam F. Watkins. Ben H. Winters has written a lot of award-winning works for both adults and children. Now, along with the poetry book I already mentioned, he's written a novel for young readers called The Secret Life of Ms. Finkelman, and that was a 2011 Bank Street Best Children's book, as well as an Edgar nominee. He's also written several plays for young audiences, including The Midnight Ride of Paul Revere, A Tooth Fairy Tale, and Uncle Pirate. The Ship by Ben H. Winters Out on the sea, the deadly sea, the tossing and terrible sea, there sails a ship, a pirate ship, with a captain as cruel as can be. Aboard that ship, that hideous ship, that awful, invidious ship, all day you can hear the crew shout in fear and the snap the captain's long whip. I mean, it's not a nice ship. When will they take rest? When will they find land? When will they drop their oars in the sand? The answer, you've guessed it, is never. Cause they're ghosts, pirate ghosts, and on they row. All of them drowned ten decades ago, and they'll be rowing now forever. Out on the sea, the endless sea, the roiling and dangerous sea, there sails a ship, a lonesome ship, with a captain so mean to his crew. So kid, listen up, live a life good and long, and if you think to do wrong, he's saving a seat there for you. My guest today is Larissa White Reyes, an award-winning author of middle-grade novels such as Mickey Malloy, Wonder Boy, and the Seer of the Guild series, YA novels such as Petals and the Crystal Keeper series, as well as nonfiction books like The Kid's Guide to Writing Fiction. In addition, Larissa is senior editor of Skyrocket Press and also teaches English composition at College of the Canyons. You can find Larissa's website at Reyes. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Larissa. Well, thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. Now, as I mentioned, uh, your middle grade novel, uh, your latest one is titled Mickey Malloy Wonder Boy. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what that book is about? Sure. Uh, Mickey Malloy Wonder Boy just came out a couple of months ago. It's my most recent book, and it's actually for younger readers. It's a chapter book, an illustrated chapter book. Uh, it's uh, humorous and it's got adventure and um, a lot of fun. It's basically about a young boy, Mickey, who loves comic book heroes and he dreams of being a hero himself, but he's stuck having to take the trash out on the weekends and doing things that he doesn't really want to do, like go to school. And then one day, a strange package arrives on his doorstep and it's addressed to him. So he opens it, he and his friend Juanita, they open it together. And it's a very strange uh, mechanical contraption inside with no instructions or anything. And there's a button on it. And he pushes the button and he gets zapped and it turns him magnetic. It's just kind of a crazy story. And it's like, can you imagine what it would be like to be a nine or 10 year old kid having to go to school that day and being magnetized? A lot of mishaps happen during the day. In the end, he actually gets to become a hero. So kids so far are really enjoying the story and the illustrations. I was very fortunate that uh, Matt 
Easterbrook, who's an illustrator in my hometown, illustrated the book. And we've known each other for a long time. So it was just really fantastic that he was able to take on this project. The book was originally written about nine years ago. So it's been a long journey to get this book into publication. Now, you mentioned it's a chapter book. Uh, What age of child is this targeted for? Six to nine years old. It's really great for kids who are beginning readers. It's a good read aloud story as well for parents to read to their kids. Uh, But kids who are learning how to read and have just the fundamental basics down can tackle it. It's not very long. It's it's a pretty short book, and there's some really funny pictures in there. But you know, kids today love humorous books with pictures in it. My kids have all been fans of um, Diary of Wimpy Kid and Underpants, and those were kind of some of my inspiration for writing this. Now, I mentioned that you've written both middle-grade novels and YA, young adult novels. And uh, whenever I have authors on who write both of those uh, types of books. A uh, question I always ask is, uh, what is it like to go from writing one to the other? Do you put different author hats on or how do you, what is the approach? How is it different from writing one uh, compared to the other? That's a really good question. I started off uh, writing middle grade. My first books published were middle grade books, uh, middle grade fantasy stories. And I actually found that I love reading YA young adult books, that's probably my genre of choice. When I want to pick up a good book to read, I'll grab a YA book. So a number of years ago, I thought, gee, I I really like reading these. What would it be like to write one? (laughs) So I set out one summer and I decided I'm going to write a young adult novel. And I did. I wrote Petals and um, it's done very well. I'm surprised. So I've actually, excuse me, I that was uh, my first YA book was actually called Contact. And then my second one is called Petals. So I actually love writing YA. Bouncing back and forth between middle grade and YA is not too challenging. It's a very similar process, except that I have to keep in mind who my readers are, how old, like the middle grade, I I really have to keep in mind that the kids are going to be between 12 and 14 years of age. And young adult, I'm dealing with about 13 years and older. So I have to keep that in mind with my characters and the plot situations and language. Now, are there book projects that you're currently working on now that we can look forward to or reading in the future? Yes, I'm, <laughs> I tend to work on multiple projects at once. My average is about three books at one time. I don't finish them all at the same time, but they're usually in different stages uh, of writing or editing. In fact, right now I'm working on a, a, another young adult novel, a YA contemporary novel called Memorable, and it's in its very final stages. I just got my notes back from my developmental editor, so I'm trying to do this last run of revisions before I submit it to, to uh, agents. And then I have a sci-fi, a young adult sci-fi horror novel, which is the first time I've tried something like that, and it's just in its second draft, so it's got a long way to go. Um, then I got a couple of other things I'm constantly working on. I, I just I'm always busy. I like to keep busy. As I mentioned earlier, along with being an author, you're also an editor of Skyrocket Press. Can you talk a little bit about what Skyrocket Press is and your role in it? Absolutely. Skyrocket Press started about three, four years ago, and what had happened? I had published the first or gotten the first two books of my fantasy series published with um, Tanglewood Press. 
And then when I was ready to publish book three, they decided they didn't want to publish anything for the next several years. So I was kind of stuck. I had an orphan book. So I decided, well, why not publish it myself? I had been an editor for two other book companies, publishing companies. And so I knew how to edit. I knew how to design and publish. And and so I put those skills to work, hired a team to work with me because I am not an artist. I needed help with um, the cover and such. And we put that book out. But what really prompted me to make Skyrocket Press an actual business was a friend of mine. Her name is Noelle. And she's also an author. She writes science fiction. And she's an amazing author. But throughout her life, she never had an opportunity to get published. And her husband passed away very suddenly a few years ago. Um, nobody saw it coming. He was very young. He was in his early 40s. And uh, it was really devastating. And she wanted to publish a, a compilation of short stories for him. So out of that experience of publishing that book for her and publishing my own book, Skyrocket Press was born. And since then, we've published several, several other authors, uh, nonfiction and fiction. Several of our books have won awards. We're very small press. We don't take on many clients at once because we really want to produce the best quality books we can. Each book is special. Uh, so we, we not only publish books, but we also help authors who want to self-publish, who want the control themselves, we offer services to help them along, like editing and, and formatting and cover design and such. And do you have any books coming out this year? Yes. Skyrocket Press is actually going to be producing a couple of nonfiction books. One is a religious text called The Word and the Struggle by Ray White. He's actually my, my father, so I'm helping him uh, with his series of books and this one's about the old testament he's um he's a biblical scholar and so he's publishing a series of essays and then i have another author um he's actually a translator uh, from russia and his series of books are um alternative psychology books based uh, on a school of psychology in russia that have been translated into english and so we're we're publishing i think we're on book eight in that series so that's what we're doing now, and then we have a couple of fiction books coming out, hopefully in summertime, fall. That's what we're shooting for. Okay. Now, the book you chose as one of your favorite kids' books is a picture book, uh, and the title is The Mouse, the Red Ripe Strawberry, and the Bear, and it was written by Don Aubrey Wood and illustrated by Don Wood, and it was first published in 1984 by Child's Play. For readers who might not be familiar with this, can you summarize? It's a very short book, but can you tell a little bit about what the book is about? Sure. Um, and the title's kind of actually longer than, than what you just said. It's The Little Mouse, The Red Ripe Strawberry, and The Big Hungry Bear. And the story is essentially about a curious little mouse, and the narrator is part of the story, too. The narrator is talking to the mouse. You never see the narrator, but the, the narrator talks to the mouse and he tells them, tells him that there's this big hungry bear that's after this big delicious strawberry that the mouse has grown. And so the mouse gets really worried about protecting the strawberry and he goes through several attempts to hide it and protect it. And I won't tell you how the ending, how it ends, but it's really adorable. It is my favorite picture book and has been since I discovered it in 1984. I was a teenager working at Once Upon a Time Bookstore in Montrose, California, 
was my uh, first real job. And I just fell in love with children's books there at that store. And when this book was published, I bought a copy and I still have it. I'm holding it in my hand. It's been taped together with packing tape and duct tape. The pages have been repaired multiple times. <laughs> I've read it for 25 years or 30 years to my five children. So as they've grown up, they've loved this book too. Now, the character, the mouse, uh, doesn't have any dialogue, but he's still very much the main character in the books. He has a certain attributes and he even has kind of an arc in the story that he's, he, he goes through a gamut of emotions as the story progresses. And I'm just wondering, how do you think this you see the character change uh, from the beginning to and he, I know you don't want to give away the ending, but uh, how does how does he change? In the, and it's like I said, very short book. When the very beginning of the story, he's curious, but he's also fearful, very worried about losing this strawberry. And as the story uh, progresses, he becomes more interested in enjoying what he has, not so worried about losing it, but sharing it. And that's really the point of the story, um, as you'll see when, when you read it, that the, the end result is sharing. Because it's a picture book, of course, there are illustrations, and that's a big part of telling the story. And it's, it's a little difficult in an audio podcast, but you can talk a little bit about how the author uses the illustrations to both tell the story and to bring out the character of the mouse. Certainly. Well, Don Wood is an amazing illustrator. Uh, they've, he and his wife published many books together. This one, of course, is my favorite. But all of their illustrations are so bright and colorful. I might have heard of the, the Napping House as another one that is just fantastic. Um, and in his in this book, he uses uh, a lot of green because the mouse is very small. And he's in a garden. So the main color scheme is green. But then there's that beautiful contrast of the big, giant red strawberry. So he uses color in such a marvelous way. Um, and he does such a, a beautiful job illustrating the emotions of the mouse. As you said, the mouse has no dialogue. Everything that's said is said by the narrator. But you can tell what the mouse is thinking just by looking at his face. Like I'm looking at one picture right here where the mouse is terrified. He's so fearful that this big bear is going to come eat a strawberry. He's got his arms wrapped around the strawberry protectively and his tail is sticking straight out, straight as a rod. And his ears are flat, his eyes are big, and you can just say, tell how frightened this little mouse is. And did you have a particular illustration that's one of your favorites out of all the different ones in the book? Yes, the last one, of course. The very last one, after the story is all over, and you're on the, the page that says, The End, the mouse is lying in a hammock, his arms behind his head, and he's got the strawberry cap on his head like a hat and his eyes are closed and a smile is on his mouth. He's very satisfied and very content. <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful way to end the story. Now, as well as the mouse, who is the main character, there's a second character in the book, possibly even a third. Of course, the narrator, uh, the one who speaks, though we never see who that is. And I might even suggest the bear who we don't see or hear. And I'm wondering how they fit into the story, these characters we don't actually see? Well, I tend to think, and I've always believed that this bear was was non-existent. 
that there was no real bear, that the narrator made him up just to get the strawberry, just to get the mouse to share it with him. Um, but sometimes in some of the pictures, the strawberry seems to be another character, such as there's a one page, it's a double page spread, and they're trying to hide from the bear. And so the mouse is sitting at a table on one side and on the other side, the strawberry is sitting in a chair also. And they're both, the mouse and the strawberry are wearing those false plastic glasses with a false nose and a mustache. <laughs> it's hilarious. Even the strawberry gets in on the on the game. As you mentioned, this book uh, can be used with young children to talk about sharing as sort of a lesson about uh, sharing. But its real appeal is in its you know its bright illustrations and the way it tells a story. And I'm wondering if this sort of book might be used to model for aspiring picture book authors as a way uh, you know who might want to say they want to explore a concept like sharing. And there are good ways and bad ways to do this. Uh, how a book like this might give them an idea of this is a way to an approach it that would be of value to children. I, I think that you're absolutely right. That, that books like this, first of all, it's a classic. When I bought it, of course, it wasn't a classic. It was brand new. But over the years, it's definitely become a classic. And um, I imagine, since I'm not a picture book writer myself and certainly not an illustrator, I can only imagine that today's young illustrators must look to Don Woods for an example. Because he... He's one of the most well-known and beloved children's book illustrators over the last several decades. So um, not only the illustrations, but the story. The story is so well told that the kids who read it, they don't realize that they're learning anything. <laughs> it, it's just fun. To them, it's a fun story. They laugh, they giggle, they participate in the story. But when all is said and done, when you get to the end, they really have learn something that they've learned the value of sharing and value of, of just enjoying good things. Back when I was a teacher, I used to teach uh, upper elementary and middle school. I would actually use picture books um, as a way to teach concepts like plot or characterization. And do you think a book like this might have a value as a text for older kids as well in that respect? That's actually a really good uh, idea, um, especially, I think, older children who maybe don't feel really confident in their own writing skills. And unfortunately, a, a lot of young people don't feel very confident in writing. Um, I, I teach creative writing uh, both in college and I have taught for many years. I've taught children and teens creative writing. And um, it always saddens me when kids come to me saying, I can't, I can't write. I can't do this. And of course they can. <laughs> they just need to discover their own imaginations. They need to discover that uh, they already have the words you need to tell a story. It's in them already. They just have to find them. Um, so picture books, not only are they entertaining, but they can also help children become more confident in themselves. It is very short. And if you give this to a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old and say, hey, let's write something like this, it's not very, it's not as intimidating as if you come to a, a child who's never written an actual story or essay before and throw that assignment at them and say, hey, you need to write, write a five-paragraph essay or you need to write a three-page story. That can be intimidating. But if you start small, start short like this with just a, 
a little picture book. Maybe they can even illustrate it themselves. You can see somebody just blossom. I've seen that happen. It's amazing. You mentioned earlier when you were reading this book, sometimes you imagine that the narrator uh, is just making up the story of the bear, that there's not actually a bear, that it's just a way of getting the mouse to share uh, the strawberry. And when I was reading this, because I read it a few times, another a thought struck me similar to that, but as sort of an alternate reading, that the mouse has never actually seen a bear and the narrator is actually a bear himself telling the mouse about this. And so it's a, it's kind of a different reading of it. And in a way, it's not so much about sharing, but as manipulating this mouse uh, into <laughs> giving up. Yes. And I, I don't know what you think about that, or is, am I just reading it too much, too much into this? No, I, I think that is definitely a great alternative reading. I never imagined the narrator, narrator to be a bear. It's definitely a possibility. But I do definitely see the manipulation. I didn't want to use that word because it has such a negative connotation. Uh, and the authors, of course, make this such a sweet and fun story. It, 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 there's no nothing negative about it. But I, yeah, the narrator is definitely trying to manipulate his way into that strawberry. It's probably too much of my adult cynicism getting uh, reading into that. <laughs> Now, usually at this point, I ask people to share uh, part of the book, um, you know, to read a passage from the book. Now, the text in this particular book is very brief. So I'm wondering um, if you want to share a passage or you just want to share uh, the whole book, which won't take that long to read, really. Sure. I, I would love to read the whole book. It's, it is very short. And I can read to your readers or your listeners the way I would read this to my kids. My kids, I, as I mentioned, I have five children. Two of them are adults now. They grew up on this book. Two of them are teenagers, but I still have a 10-year-old at home, and every once in a while, he still likes to hear this story. The Little Mouse, the Red Ripe Strawberry, and the Big Hungry Bear by Don and Audrey Wood. Hello, Little Mouse. What are you doing? Oh, I see. Are you going to pick that Red Ripe Strawberry? But, Little Mouse... Haven't you heard about the big, hungry bear? Oh, how that bear loves red, ripe strawberries. The big, hungry bear can smell a red, ripe strawberry a mile away, especially one that has just been picked. Boom, boom, boom. The bear will trot through the forest on his big, hungry feet and sniff, sniff, sniff. Find the strawberry, no matter where it is hidden, or who is guarding it, or how it is disguised. Quick, there's only one way in the whole wide world to save a red ripe strawberry from the big hungry bear. Cut it in two, share half with me, and we'll both eat it all up. Yum. Now that's one red ripe strawberry the big hungry bear will never get. The end. And thank you for reading that. And I would suggest to people listening to the podcast to really get uh, the full experience. Um, they should, uh, while listening to you read it, should find a copy of the book and go along with the illustrations so they can also see the pictures uh, as you're reading the text. Because uh, that's, that's definitely a big part of the story. Absolutely. 
Well, Larissa, uh, thank you so much for sharing this book uh, with us and for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. I, I love sharing this book with a new generation of children this, this year. You can find Larissa's website at www.larissawhitereyes.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art is provided by Creative Pro 180, courtesy of Fiverr, which can be found at www.fiverr.com. You can visit me at jleemott.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading.